Look, we have a lot of fun here at Remember the Game Industries. You've all heard my obnoxious, high-pitched laugh on the show. I love it. Video games are fun. The Simpsons are funny. It's good times. You know what isn't fun? Shopping for razors. And I don't mean that to sound sarcastic. It genuinely sucks. That's why you shouldn't shop for razors. You should just get them delivered by Harry's. Pick up a $3 trial set at harrys.com RTG and see what I'm talking about. I'm not going to stop beating the Harry's drum because it's a drum worth beating. The best razors on the market at better prices than the crap at the store and they're delivered to you. It's like a shaving cheat code. You've heard me say it. I have been a Harry's customer since I was driving a forklift at a company I'm not allowed to name but you all know who it is and sure my beard gets some praise now but i was a stubble guy for a long time and i still use harry's blades to keep the edges of my beard crisp so it looks like i have a jawline and if you've ever tried to shave along the edges of a beard you know that you can go through blades fast because there's a lot of weeds to whack in there but harry's blades just keep coming back for more i'm not just saying it there's so much better than the junky stuff you get at the store that means a faster cleaner shaving and two you buy less blades because they last longer the best razors for less money brought right to your door i don't know how else to say this harry's is on top for a reason the best reviews in the business customizable delivery schedules so you get them when you need them i can't see a reason not to use Harry's. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Remember the Game. It is my retro gaming podcast where every week a buddy of mine and I sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blank. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for making us the number one video game podcast in Canada, baby. And this week it is episode 198 and we're doing something that might be considered uh, just a little controversial around these parts. We're going to the 3DS. And I know that that console is not as retro as a lot of the systems we cover here on the show, but it's going to be 10 years old next year. It's discontinued. And you know what? If you're a 20-year-old listening to this podcast, you were in elementary school when the 3DS came out. So I was like, yeah, you know what? It's fair game. It's retro. Plus, you know, it's my fucking show. I get to, I get to make the rules. So tough cheese. Uh, we're talking The Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds this time around. It is the direct sequel to the iconic masterpiece that is the SNES game, The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. And I'm just going to call my shot right now. This is probably my favorite 3DS game. And it's a top five Zelda game for me without even thinking about it. It might even be top three uh, without putting a lot of thought into that. I fucking love this game. I haven't played it in a very long time. But you know what? This week's podcast made me want to change that. I get so many messages from people that listen to this show and say, Principal Major. What can we do to not waste our summer vacation? No, shout out to anyone who gets that fucking reference, though. Um, but I do get a lot of messages from people saying that our podcast makes them want to play the game that we talked about. It got them all fired up again. And that's what recording this week's episode did to me. I'm definitely going to rebuy it for my 3DS and download it. I'll find time to play it at some point. I don't know when. Uh, it's just so fucking good. And my guest this week is the man himself, former 
Remember the game Hall of Famer Mark McHugh? And just quickly, I know there's a petition floating around online asking to put him back in the hall. It's not fucking happening. I don't give a shit if the entire planet signs that fucking thing. Shigeru Miyamoto himself could sign that petition. Mark McHugh is not getting back into our goddamn Hall of Fame. But we had a great time talking about a great game. And uh, honestly, I, I truly think this is one of our better episodes. I, I had a lot of fun recording it. I'm hoping it come, I hope it comes through uh, when you listen to our chat in a few minutes. Um, we're not going to cover a ton of 3DS games here on Remember the Game. I haven't played a ton of them, to be honest. But once in a while, it's fun to change things up. You know, it's fun to order the chicken instead of the steak. It's... Well, that's not true. The steak steak always trumps chicken. Some Okay, sometimes it's better. It's fun to order the fish instead of the chicken. Let's go that. There it is. That'll work. Uh, it was fun doing something different. Also, just happens to work out that Mark McHugh's very first stand-up comedy album drops today. The day this episode goes live, Wednesday, May 18th. 18th, easy for me to say. It's called Son of a Drama Teacher, and you can find it over on Bandcamp if you want to show Mark some love. You can find all the details in the description of this podcast. Mark's going to plug it. Uh, during our game chat as well, and a rare act of blatant self-promotion here on Remember the Game. And we're going to get to all that in just a minute, because speaking of rare acts of blatant self-promotion, it's time for yet another edition of the Remember the Game infamous intro. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome aboard. Consider this your warning. Our intros are kind of long, but they're fun. You know what it is? I'm a comedian. Mark's a comedian. If you've ever gotten to a comedy show or comedy club, you know they play like some upbeat, happy music to kind of get you in a good mood. You're getting your drink on. You're buzzing. You're feeling good. And you know the comedy hasn't started yet, and you don't realize how much everything after the music is going to suck. That's our intro. Our intro is the music. So uh, I really recommend giving it a chance and listen to us talk video games. It's a good time. But if you just want to skip to the link to the a Link Between Worlds talk, go about 30 minutes up the road and you'll be there okay uh, i gotta get my plugs in really quickly we have merchandise hoodies t-shirts coffee mugs posters all rocking sweet sweet art that was designed by my man joe over at 4545creative.com and you can find all our merchandise at remember the game podcast.com if you're interested it's a great way to support the little guy and support the show and if you're like ah, i don't do close not for me you can always just support us on patreon it's about the best deal in the history of the universe for just two bucks a month you're gonna get two additional podcasts every week not two additional podcasts a month two additional shows every week every friday you're gonna get exclusive access to game patch my gaming news show where i look at all the big news in modern video games and add in my opinions and profanity and stuff like that and every thursday you're gonna get access to expansion pass which is a different show every week we do game rankings character looks backs console look backs we do comedy episodes there's game reviews this past week on expansion pass i, I got i got a little kinky uh, and we played franchise swap if you could take any playstation xbox or nintendo exclusive ip and give it to one of the other two companies what would you take and who would you give it to and i gotta be honest it was one of my favorite episodes to date it was so much fun to write uh, and as is becoming tradition here is a sneak peek of last week's episode of expansion pass exclusive swap One of the reasons I didn't move Ratchet and Clank over to Nintendo, by personally speaking, is because Ratchet and Clank is still alive and well. Like, we just got Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which, by the way, made a great use of the SSD and the PlayStation 5. And I, the Nintendo Switch couldn't do that. So I'm like, Ratchet and Clank looks fine on the PS5. It seems to fit in there. I'm going to leave it there where it is. Jack and Daxter is dead in the water. And it's really sad because I love the first Jack and Daxter so much. I like Jack 2 and 3. I want more from that series and nothing has happened with it since Jack 3 on the PS2 with the exception of 
I think there was a Daxter game on the PSP or the PS Vito, one or the other. And then there was Jack X, which was a racing game that I never played. But I just wanted more Jack and Daxter. I just wanted more of the original game. And it's just been dead forever. And the main reason it's been dead is because Naughty Dog made it. Naughty Dog's got bigger fish to fry now with Uncharted and Last of Us, which I get. But then give it to somebody else and give us a new goddamn Jack and Daxter game. So I would give Jack and Daxter to Nintendo... That's now available on our archives. And this week for expansion pass number 111, uh, I'm going to break out one of my patented ranking episodes. It's been a while since we did a ranking episode. And I'm going to rank every Simpsons video game that I've played. I haven't played all of them, but I have played most of them. Many of them not very good. Uh, but I'm going to rank them all from worst to best. And that'll be available tomorrow for all of our Patreons. So again, two bucks gets you two additional shows every week, plus instant access to over 200 archived episodes. Plus you can join our discord, which is at almost 600 members. Now you can vote in our Patreon poll at the beginning of every month. You can submit comments to be read on all of our shows. And you're going to get a shout out during the intro and get to hear me mispronounce your name. Like I'm about to do to most of these people, a huge thank you to all of our newest Patreons. Tug Jones, Stubby1234, Kev Masters, Adam Fletcher, Full Nelson, Christopher Drake, Slump Buster, The Frogman, Pie Guy 300, Jeff C., Jeremiah, Neil Crabtree, Colin Bol- Bollinger, sorry Colin, Scott Crevitt, now we're now shit's going off the rails. Justified 01, Lucas Charleston, Charles G, Joey Mercury, Ted Viper, Jumpin' Johnny Gaming, Kevin Poole, Char Aznabear, Lara Croft's Boobies, <laughs> Plain Yogurt, and Joseph Halberg. Thank you all so much for the support and welcome to Remember the Game Industries. Patreon.com slash Remember the Game if you're interested in showing us some love. And for to wrap up the sales pitch, 5% of our Patreon every month is going to get donated to the our Remember the Children 24-hour charity stream at the end of the year. That money's going to the Stollery Children's Hospital here in Edmonton. We're at just under $1,000 raised and we still have a lot of the year to go. So thank you so much. And if you want to check me out on Twitch, you can go to twitch.tv slash remember the game, not remember, remember the game. I try to get on there whenever I can a couple of times a week. Usually Tuesday nights are the safe bet. And sometimes I build Lego. Sometimes I play video games and I just chat with the community and you can look at my nose and it's lots of fun. Twitch.tv slash member the game. And that's enough blowing myself. Let's blow some of you by blowing in the cartridges. It is our opening segment here on the show. I read a few comments and questions from our patrons usually gaming related but not always and we call this segment blowing in the cartridge he blows all right he blows big time that's it honey get into the spirit let's blow our first blower this week is neil crabtree who wrote in and said hey adam first time poster such so many of you are putting that in your posts now that i can't tell who's actually first time and who's just using it to try to get read I'm such a sucker for that. God, it's like the puppy dog eyes of posting a comment on our Patreon. Anyway, Neil Crabtree wrote in and said, Hey, Adam, first time poster. I recently finally bought a Nintendo Switch for some Metroidvania type games. So far, I've played through Bloodstained and I've downloaded Hollow Knight. Do you have any more suggestions? You're goddamn right I do, Neil. First of all, great call on Hollow Knight because that game is just... Uh, my game of the year from a few years ago. A couple of my other suggestions, the Guacamelee games, both one and two are excellent Metroidvania games, as are the Ori games. Now, I will say if you have an Xbox, they're available on Game Pass, but if you're only playing on the Switch, check out the Ori games. They're both stunning, awesome Metroidvanias. Uh, Axiom Verge is a pretty good Metroidvania, very retro-looking Metroidvania uh, game. And uh, <laughs> maybe it's kind of a cop-out answer, but Metroid Dread. 
is fucking awesome. That was our game of the year last year. It's it's just, if you're looking for the cheaper indie games, and yeah, the Guacamelees, the Ori's, I think you could probably get both Guacamelees, both Ori's, and Axiom Verge for less than the cost of Metroid Dread. Uh, plus th those, plus Hollow Knight, and you're good for some time. Uh, enjoy your Switch. Let me know what you end up going with. Thanks for writing in, Neil. Joe the Sandman wrote in and said, Hey, Mr. Blank, have you read the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics of The Last Ronin? I started reading them last week, and I've been enjoying them a lot. What opinion do you have of them? Do you have a favorite Ninja Turtles comic you could recommend? So, uh, in case you don't know, if you're newer to the show, I don't know much about comics, but I am a Ninja Turtles super fan. Uh, I have led, have led, I have read The Last Ronin. They are fucking excellent. If anyone doesn't know what they are, I won't spend too much time on them, but they're a five-issue uh is it called like a mini series spin-off series i'm not sure what the term is uh that just wrapped up this month or last just recently i can't remember if it was this month or last month uh where it's set uh, in like the distant future and i won't spoil anything but three of the ninja turtles are dead and the fourth one is out to avenge them and the the avenge them and the comic books kind of flip between the past and showing you how all the turtles died and the future and the current ninja turtle that's still alive uh they're great i really enjoyed them i yeah, I fucking bought all five issues day one, the day they came out. Enjoyed the fuck out of them. Do I have a favorite Ninja Turtles comic I could recommend? The Last Ronin series is really good. And if you've not read them yet, the IDW comics, I'm in the middle of reading them right now. They're excellent. Uh, you can get the hardcover anthologies, and each one comes with like 20 comics in it. Uh, for, I think, about 70 bucks Canadian. I've got the first four anthologies. I think there's about a dozen now. So I'm not anywhere close to finish them, but they've been really, really... I truly think that the IDW Ninja Turtle comics are the single best uh, story in the history of the Ninja Turtles. I just think they're fucking outstanding. So those are the only ones I have read, but those are the, I would recommend them 1 million percent if you're a Ninja Turtles fan. They're excellent. Thanks for writing in, Joe the Sandman. Hank Scorpio wrote in and said, Mr. Blank, who are some of your favorite single episode Simpsons characters? I can't imagine how I thought of this question, but I figured you might have some fun with it. I love that from Hank Scorpio. Uh, so this might be a bit of a cop out because he actually appeared in two episodes, not one, but my favorite kind of spinoff or uh, spinoff isn't, I guess. Yeah. Single appearance character uh, is Herb Powell. Uh, voiced by Danny DeVito, Homer's half-brother. He actually technically has been in two episodes, so maybe, that again, maybe I'm cheating by saying that, but Herb is by far my favorite. I fucking love Herb. Both those episodes are just outstanding. Hank Scorpio, of course, is awesome. I will die on the hill that Hank Scorpio should have been the villain in the Simpsons movie. Same voice and everything. It should have been Hank Scorpio. I think it was the same voice. And don't yell at me if you're like, oh, you don't know the voices. I don't know any voice actors' names, but I think it was. But anyway, Hank Scorpio's fucking awesome, and he should have been the villain in the movie. Uh, Larry Burns, Mr. Burns' son, which was voiced by Rodney Dangerfield, rest in peace, uh, is one of my favorites. And then shout out to all the Major League players from Homer at Bat, which is my favorite episode of all time. I, yes. Oh, I love all those. Oh, my God. Well, that's the greatest episode in the history of television. Is that fucking, oh, the fucking softball episode. Anyway, thanks for writing in, Hank Scorpio. Uh, let's talk some video games again. Freddy Fazqueer wrote in and said, Hey, Adam, what horror-themed game gave slash gives you the worst jump scares? For me, it was definitely that PT demo. So I've never played the PT demo, Freddy. I've heard nothing but horrifying things about that demo, but I'm not very good with scary stuff in horror games. If you're new to the show, maybe you don't know that. I have played a bunch of them, but I am a chicken shit. So what horror-themed game gave me the worst jump scares? It would either be, and I'm going to not spoil anything by giving these answers, Resident Evil 7, when you have to deal with all the bugs, and just because I'm I'm afraid of bees, and you play in Resident Evil 7 with my headphones on and hearing that, like, and hearing it in my headphones, almost fucking 
gave me a heart attack. It was terrible. Uh, and then Resident Evil Village, which is not that scary of game, has one particular, I guess, level segment, whatever you want to call it. And anyone that's played it knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not going to go into any more detail about it. But it was the most terrific thing I've ever seen. And the only reason it didn't scare me more was because I was baked out of my mind while I was playing it. So it didn't hit as hard. I'm so glad. If I'd been stone cold sober playing that, I never would have made it through it. Also, Outlast. Outlast was so scary I couldn't finish it. But I'm not very good with scary stuff. So I'm never going to even look at the PT demo because it'll just scare the shit out of me. Uh, thank you for writing in, Freddy. Hago Waffle wrote in and said, Have you ever checked out the gold polished shit pile that was the Codemasters Quattro series? They put out four and one games that tricked parents into getting more for the money. My parents bought me Quattro Adventure instead of Mario 3 because it was four games, not one. That thing is the reason I have trust issues. Four games of nonsense and you could only attack in one of them. Linus Spacehead? More like Linus I just stole your money head. They had a game called Boomerang Kid where you couldn't even use boomerangs. That game was a crime. I do remember that fucking compilation does anyone else remember that i i might be wrong hang a waffle but didn't that have like dizzy that shitty egg with like the fucking robin or the the fucking um peter pan hat and he like just died every time he fell off anything and he could roll and it was like a crappy king's quest spinoff i do remember boomerang kid that fucking stands out to me so i did play it once and yeah it was just one of the many dude to get that instead of mario 3 i would have fucking what's it called when a kid divorces their parents. Fucking, what's the word? God damn it. I could hear it in my fucking head. Uh, no, it's not Segway. Seg. Fucking. God damn it. Anyway, I'm going to get like 400 messages from people fucking tell me what the goddamn word is. I know what the word is. I just don't remember. Don't smoke pot, kids. It ruins your memory. But anyways, yeah, if my parents had gotten me Quacho Adventure instead of Mario 3, I would have been like, I'm I'm fucking out. I'm running away. I'm done. Yeah, that I do remember. Does any Shout out to anyone else that remembers that fucking compilation. What a crappy bunch of crap that fucking was. Oh, thanks for writing in, Hagel Waffle. Pie Guy 300 wrote in and said, Hey Adam, new patron here. Thanks, Pie Guy. Quick question Would you ever consider doing any of the Devil May Cry games for Remember the Game? I never played them as a kid, and after finishing all of them, except for two, because that one is poopy bad, I'm literally kicking myself for not playing them sooner. I've absolutely fallen in love with them. If you enjoyed the God of War games, I definitely think you'd enjoy Devil May Cry. The only Devil May Cry game I've played is three, and I think it was a PS Plus game on the PS3 back in the day, which is where I played it. Um, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I didn't love it. I just, it was just very like button mash hack and slash. I, I kind of found it boring to be honest. I'm not sorry. You know, if you like it, pie guy, I like pie. So if you like, you know, you have, you have some taste cause you're a pie guy. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I'll never say never. I'm not going to say a devil, a devil may cry game. I'll never get on the show, but the one experience I had with them didn't really leave me hankering, uh, to go back for more crying devils. So just. Just in case, just to answer your question. Uh, to, to be fair, though, with the God of War games, I've only played the original God of War and then the new God of War. Uh, the new one is excellent. The original one was uh, pretty good. But same thing. I did find myself getting a little bored by the end of just the button mashing. That's all. That's like just any anyway. It doesn't matter. Anyway, there you go. That's my thoughts on Devil May Cry. So maybe someday, but not in any immediate plans. And finally, before we move on, it's letter time. It's letter time. Nomad. Wrote in and said, salutations, good sir. That's too big a word. Nomad, strike one. In Game Patch episode 83.0, you struck the same rib twice in succession. 
Yeah, no, shout out to anyone that gets that partial reference. No, Nomad said in episode 83, Game Patch episode 83, you gave me the impression you were quite lukewarm with the Sony PlayStation Portable when talking about PlayStation's new subscription model. As a PSP game collector, I wanted to know why. Have you had much exposure to that system? Do the games not seem interesting? And if a good chunk of them do become available to download via the new PlayStation Plus premium service, do you think you might dabble? I think there's a fantastic library of games to explore and it would warm my heart if that's a journey you take one day. Oh, and if you read this on the podcast, say hi to my wife, Justine. It'll make her happy. Thanks. Hello, Justine. Uh, does he say salutations to you too? Or is it just me? Does he walk into the house after a day of work and be like, salutations. And if I, <laughs> I fucking, ah, fuck, I hate that word. Anyway, um, so this seems to be a common misconception. There goes the voice crack. And I don't know why. But like I, maybe when I did Game Patch eighty three point I made it sound because like I've I've been called out several times since, and I must be from that episode from people being like, dude, like are you anti PSP? I'm not anti PSP at all. I've never played one, never once in my life have I played a PSP ever. So I'm not. And frankly, there's a couple of games on it I'm really interested in. I'm interested in that Final Fantasy VII spinoff where Zack finally fucking makes sense. And then there's like a Mega Man one remake on it that looks fucking awesome that I'm really interested in. Plus I think the Daxter game is on PSP and I'm a big Daxter fan. I might've been on Vita. I don't remember. I never played it either, but truth be told, I've just never played a PSP ever, but I'm not anti PSP and I don't want to get fucking this stink of being an anti PSP ite on me that I have to carry around for the rest of my life. So I'm just putting, I'm just putting it out there into the universe right now. I am pro PSP. I've just never, ever I'm, I, I'm PSP curious. I'm PSP. I've never played one before, but I'm intrigued. You know, I'm a little bit flattered and I'm intrigued and I definitely want to try it. So yes, if PSP games come to the new PS plus services without question, I'll definitely try a couple of them. Cause I'm very interested. I thought everybody just bought PSPs to hack them and put NES games on them. I thought that's everyone I knew that had one. That was what they did with it. I just never got around to buying one ever, but I'm interested. So to answer your question, I will definitely dabble in the PSP pool should they end up on PS Plus. So PS Plus Premium PSP pool. <laughs> that fuck me. Anyway, there you go. Uh, so thank you so much to everybody that wrote in. Thank you for all the submissions. And Victor, if you're hearing this, get your ass back to work. Let's get into our Smash Hit segment. Let's change things up. The official game show of Remember the Game Industries. Play one, remake one, erase one. And a huge thank you to Classic Concentration from the NES for unknowingly providing us with the theme music for the show. The rules are simple. Every week, I give our listeners three retro video games. They can play one as it was released, remake one as a modern game, and the third one is a race from time forever. And as always, there are no wrong answers, but there is a right one, and we'll get there in just a minute. And I figured since we're talking a sequel this week, arguably one of the greatest sequels of all time with A Link Between Worlds, uh, I would throw three more sequels into Contestant's Row. We've got Silent Hill 2... Half-Life 2, and Final Fantasy X-2. And some people gave me shit for doing Final Fantasy X-2 dirty by putting it up against Silent Hill and Half-Life. I have three things to say in response to that. Number one, it's very hard finding three games on the same approximate level that all fit into a specific criteria. Number two, I thought of it afterwards and I should have gone with Metal Gear Solid 2 instead of Final Fantasy X-2. And number three, I... (coughs) Excuse me. I'm choking on my own rage here. I haven't played Final Fantasy X-2, so I'm not going to dunk on it. <laughs> oh my God, I'm dying. Hang on. I usually would, a good podcast would edit this out. You just guys get to listen to me drink a sip of water here. I think choking on your own saliva is your body's way of being like, you're not as fucking smart as you think you are. 
So it's hard to find three games that fit a specific criteria that are on the same level. I should have gone with Metal Gear Solid 2. And my third point is I haven't played this game, so I'm not dunking off Final Fantasy X-2. But if it's as good as you fucking fans say it is, then it should be fine. So, unfortunately, it wasn't. A whopping 59%. By far the biggest win we've ever had in Play 1, Remake 1, or Race 1. 59% of you said you'd play Half-Life 2, Remake Silent Hill 2, and Erase Final Fantasy X-2. And in second place, with another 15%, was play Silent Hill, Remake Half-Life, and again, Erase Final Fantasy X-2. And I very rarely erase games that I haven't played, but I would also erase Final Fantasy X-2. Now, to be fair, had I put Metal Gear Solid 2 in its place, I would have erased that game so fast it would make your fucking head spin. I hate that fucking game. So, it's not Final Fantasy X-2's fault. I don't know if there's another game I could have thrown in there that would match up against Half-Life and Silent Hill. But let's see what a few of you had to say, and then I'll tell you what the right answer was. Ted Viper wrote in and said, play um, Final Fantasy X-2. There you go. See? Ted Viper's in. He's in. Play Final Fantasy X-2 to see what all the hype is since I've been a Nintendo and Xbox player my whole life. Remake Half-Life 2 since that shit was dope and it could have been incredible on next-gen systems. And erase Silent Hill because fuck scary games. I have a family. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I agree with fuck scary games because I'm not good with them either, but I <laughs> I don't know what the family has to do. <laughs> it's not going to kill you. I... <laughs> I have a family. Ah, uh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> Justified 01 wrote in and said, Remake Silent Hill 2, play Half-Life 2, take a dump on Final Fantasy X-2 and burn it. Why would anybody make a game with a bunch of female pop stars as the central focus? This game is offensive to all Final Fantasy fans, fans and is when the series jumped the shark. Now, I'm going to say for the record, I love female pop stars like i like pop music a lot so i have no beef with final fantasy 10 2 focusing on female pop stars that's fucking totally cool with me um but to hear that final fantasy 10 2 is when the series jumped the shark i there's i mean people you know 11 is kind of okay people don't as according to reception i've not played it uh 12 seems very divisive most people don't like the 13 games 14 blew up at the end and then 15 i thought fucking sucked so uh, maybe maybe 10 2 was when the jump of the shark happened i don't know uh yoshido wrote in and said yeah i can speak on this i would play half-life 2 because having never played it i've always been curious about the hype behind it and i'm a huge final fantasy fan and i know i know the hate on final fantasy 10 2 is insane i've also hated against it but i will say the combat system and job changing was really dope so a remake of it would be amazing if they clean up some stuff you not being a britney spears pop star thing was weird but okay and then i would erase silent hill 2 simply because i'm a pansy scaredy courage the cowardly dog <laughs> also i saw the movie and i'm good on that whole game series whoa don't write i've only played silent hill 1 and i wouldn't write them off don't write them off if you're scared that's fine but don't write them off because of the movie silent hill games at least silent hill 1 is pretty good it's the only one i know uh, Cesar Bustos wrote in and said, play Half-Life 2, remake Silent Hill and erase Final Fantasy X-2. You know what I like about this comment? No, no window dressing, not even any work, no explanations. It is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. It's like 11 words and then a couple of letters. Fucking well done. Well fucking, I, I, I'm, a, I get it. I'm on board with that. I respect that. Uh, Dora Lingus said, I play Half-Life 2 as I've never played it. I'd remake Silent Hill 2. Advanced graphics would make this game absolutely terrifying. Sign me up. And erase Final Fantasy X-2. To me, a dumpster fire of a spinoff that the world will not miss. I don't necessarily agree with it, or I don't disagree with any of your logic, even if it's not the order I would go in. I think the sound, I have no way to roast you. That's sound logic all the way around. And Last Minute Hero 
I was looking for somebody that wrote in and said they wanted to erase Half-Life 2 because it didn't seem to be very many of them. And Last Minute Hero came in at the last minute to be a hero. Said, play Final Fantasy X-2. The game has already received the HD remaster released on the PS3, not needing much more of an update and totally playable as it is. Although it's not as good as Final Fantasy X, it's still great. Remake Silent Hill 2 as one of the greatest survival horror games ever released. It would be amazing to, re- to see it receive the Resident Evil treatment with modern graphics and quality of life improvements. Can you ima- imagine how amazing Pyramid Head would be in an update? updated version and then erase half-life 2 one of the most if not the most overrated first person shooters to be released and only stands the test of time because of nostalgia keeping it alive there are plenty of other great first person shooter games released at the same time like halo 2 chronicles of riddick far cry doom 3 and they are often overshadowed because everyone lost their minds over the gravity gun and physics engine after the first 30 minutes or hour of a game it becomes the same as half-life 1 and is nothing spectacular also obligatory gabe newell doesn't know how to count to three I appreciate the hotness of the take that Half-Life 2 is so overrated and you would erase it. I only ever played it once back in the day on the Xbox. I fucking loved Half-Life 2. And there's another person bringing up Pyramid Head. I've never played Silent Hill 2 and everyone's like, you need to play Silent Hill 2 so that you can deal with Pyramid Head. And I'm so sick of hearing about I never want to play this game just because I don't want to see Pyramid Head. I certainly don't want to see Pyramid Head with fucking updated graphics. That sounds even more goddamn horrifying. Uh, 15% of you voted the same way that I did this week, including Decoy Man. Who said, well, 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 we meet again, Mr. Blank. Just my opinion, I would play Silent Hill because I never played it and I want to know what the hype is about. I'd remake Half-Life 2 because it's awesome overall. I played it for hours with my brother and it'd be cool to see it touched up. Erase Final Fantasy X-2. I'm a big fan of the Final Fantasy games and this one in 13 made me quit after five hours. So I made room in the garbage to toss it in with Echo the Dolphin and Missing Mario. Ma, bring me my matches. Uh, I actually agree with most of the logic. I certainly agree with the order, Decoy Man. I myself would play Silent Hill 2 because at some point I'm going to have to. Everyone keeps telling me I got to see what all the hubbub is about with this game. At some point I have to play it and I don't need it remade even fucking scarier. I'll play the original version. Thank you very much. I'm going to remake Half-Life 2 because I love that game. It's awesome and I want to see it remade even sexier. And I'm going to erase Final Fantasy X-2. And I don't usually erase games that I haven't played. And if I didn't like Half-Life 2 so much, I would have remade Final Fantasy X-2 and erased half-life 2 uh because i love pop music and i see final fantasy 10 2 and i'm like that looks like like, i just will play it for the soundtrack but i'll be goddamned if i'm gonna erase half-life 2 and i had i would rather play silent hill than final fantasy 10 2 so sorry final fantasy 10 2 and for all of you that were like final fantasy 10 2 got done dirty the only other game i thought about putting in there was metal gear solid 2 and i would have erased that game because it is fucking shit so thank you everybody for writing in this week what have i been playing over the last seven days and then we'll get to talk in link between worlds uh dude this weekend was epic i finished final fantasy tactics for the first time in my life so i'm ready to review that for episode 200 in a couple of weeks i also finished fable for the first time in my life and we'll be reviewing that for an episode in the early 200s um now i'm playing pokemon gold gold on my 3ds to get ready for another episode playing that for the first time ever and i'm really enjoying it so far and i'm finally firing up wwe 2k22 which i've been talking about playing for like a month because i finally got tactics and fable off my plate and i'll tell you all right now when pokemon gold is done old adam is taking a nice beefy sabbatical from fucking rpgs because i'm so sick of fucking rpgs oh my god I know a lot of you love them. I don't dislike them, but I, I can't play that many of them in a row. I'm like, I'm just reading fucking books. Oh, WWE. And then I don't know. I'll fucking play Mario or something. Anyway, let's talk Link Between Worlds. That's why you're here. I like to give a few of our listeners a chance to sound off on the game we're talking about before my guests and I hog the spotlight. Charles G. 
wrote into us on Patreon and said, after a long stint of not gaming, I bought this and a 3DS in my early 20s. I'd never... Fi- How long a stint of gaming could it be if you were in your early 20s when you bought this? Like, I took a break from gaming too, but like... Well, no, I get... Well, no, yeah, I was like 20 and I probably feel like 23, 24... Ah, all right, I'll shut up, Charles. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, I've never finished Link to the Past when I originally had it at age seven as it was pretty tough. Now, uh, as it was pretty tough, Link Between Worlds was an incredible game from start to finish and is currently the only Zelda game I've gone back to and beat multiple times. I love how it kept the formula for handheld Zelda, but with some great extra features. I'd go as far as to say this is the best Zelda I've played in my lifetime. I don't think that's a hot take at all. Let the haters hate, Charles. Link Between Worlds is fucking excellent. Well said. Kyle Paul wrote in and said, I've never been good at Zelda, but the second one I ever beat behind Twilight Princess was this one. I have such fond memories of this game, I was even able to get the collectible posters from Club Nintendo for it. Fucking nice. See, Nintendo's so out of touch, but then they do nice things like posters. I like it. Oh, Kevin, I don't know how to fuck to say your last name. Kevin Arima? I hope I said that right, Kevin. Kevin Arima. Arima said, I wish they would port this one to the Switch somehow. I remember you saying it in an episode. You had trouble with the 3D environments because you grew up with 2D and were so used to it. I mostly grew up playing Ocarina of Tim, so I have the opposite problem where I'm great with 3D games and I have a tough time navigating 2D maps in combat. I don't know if it was the art style or the more modern controls, but it finally clicked for me with Link's Awakening Remake, so now I feel ready to tackle more 2D Zelda and wish they would bring more them over so i dude so yeah like i have talked about how mario zelda metroid insert your favorite franchise here i almost always prefer the 2d iterations over the 3d iterations um but yeah this one will click for you i think you really if you like link's awakening remake you'll like link between worlds uh i agree and we talk about that on the podcast near the end fuck i wish they would port this game to switch i don't know if it'll ever happen but oh my god i wish oh come on nintendo you fucking assholes uh, Christopher Wynn wrote in and said, this was the only Zelda game that I've actually completed. Something about the art style, music, and the mechanics made me want to finish everything. So far, no other Zelda game has made, has made me feel compelled to finish it. I always hit a snag. That's fair. I, I would, if you like this one, I would recommend playing Link to the Past just because it is the prequel to this one. And if you liked this one, it's the same map, but it doesn't play the same. Uh, it's got some differences for sure, but it's the same map anyways. Uh, and Scott Kilbride Wrote in and said, I missed the chance to comment, to comment, I missed the chance to comment on the discussion for games that made you fall in love with gaming, which was an episode of Expansion Pass we did for our Patreons a few months back. But for me, that was Link to the Past. This game was a really fresh take on that game, a spiritual sequel in the purest sense, like out of an alternate timeline, and had a fantastic balance of feeling new and feeling familiar. It also managed to do the faster paced 2D dungeons like Link to the Past, but with slightly more intricate puzzles like in the 3D games. I bought my 3DS for this game alone, basically. No regrets. Well fucking said. This game is worth the price of admission. Like 3DSs and 2DSs aren't available anymore at like stores or anything. But if you've got one laying around and you've not played Link Between Worlds, it's 30 bucks Canadian sitting in there on the eShop. So what's that? Like $7 in the US and I don't know, 46 kilograms in Europe or whatever the fuck. And I don't know, three bobbies on the shrimps. Or shrimps on the shrimps on the bobbies and uh, whatever. It's not expensive. So fucking check it out if you're interested. And Mark McHugh and I are going to tell you why right now. I'm going to queue up some music. And when it stops, the former Hall of Famer himself, along with myself, are going to talk about The Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds, which originally released in North America on the 3DS on November 22nd, 2013. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Let's go.
If you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer. And for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul crushing. Dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work gone like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. It matters, but kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That can be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001. And a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac and every 15 minutes on the clock they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If if you work on a computer in any capacity, CrashPlan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses, I'm just Joe Schmo. CrashPlan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans and tiers. So there's a crash plan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses in offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. All right. So, uh, first of all, as I've probably explained in the intro, we're talking a 3DS game. And before I get messages from people being like, oh, well, I don't know if the 3DS is considered retro or not yet. Uh, first of all, uh, it doesn't, it's my goddamn podcast. I decide what's fucking retro. This is the, this is the kingdom of Adam and I decide what's fucking retro. Second of all, I needed an episode for this week. And third of all, former Remember the game Hall of Famer, not current for all you fucking <laughs> scats out there that are trying to force his way back into the Hall of Fame. Former Remember the Game Hall of Famer recommended this, and I thought this would actually be a lot of fun. So joining me via the blank phone this week is my guest, former Remember the Game Hall of Famer, Mark Tholomew McHugh. How's it going, buddy? Uh, it's going great. Great. Wow. That's good. That's fucking positive, Mark. It's like it's like 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Most comedians yeah, aren't even out of bed uh, yet. We, we get to talk about a Zelda game, so yeah. I'm excited. Dude, and you know what's funny is your brother's going to give me shit for this because he's like, Mark, Mark takes all the Zelda games. But the thing is, is like we were literally doing a show together Thursday night here at Edmonton, and Mark was like, yo, we should do an episode about Link, to the, uh, Link Between Worlds. And I was like, that's a really good idea. I really like that game. And I was like, and afterwards I was like, oh, fuck, Bradley's going to give me shit for this. Because once again, Mark has stolen a Zelda game away from his brother. Once again. Yeah, he can do Minish Cap. Yeah, he, okay. he, oh, he's, he's, he's fucking like got it tattooed on his body that he gets to cover Minish Cap. I can't take that <laughs> away from him. Um, and I will say I've not played Minish Cap yet, but I'm willing to put, I'm willing to put my flag in the sand right now and dig in my heels and take a stance that it's not better 
than Link Between Worlds. Having never played No, it, Link Between Worlds is the best handheld Zelda. I think not only... Okay, so just quickly before we get into this, I want to make sure everybody knows. I know that this isn't as old of a game as some of the other games that we cover. And when it's, it's on a system that's not being made anymore, though. That's retro. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the system's discontinued. That makes it retro. Absolutely. I have no beef with that. I just want to warn people, like, normally on this show, I don't worry too much about spoilers because a lot of the games are 20 or 30 years old. And I'm like, you fucking had your chance. Um, this one, I think, is nine years old. So there and and I know that, like, with a lot of Zelda games, let's call a spade. I know you're a bigger Zelda fan than me, but let's call a spade a spade. A lot of the time, the story in a Zelda game is like a a B minus at best. Like this, yeah, it's it, it's usually just like a vehicle to get you to go do the next thing. Yeah, agreed. And frankly, I think the story in this one for a lot of it is the same, but there is a couple of big twists right at the end, a couple of like, oh wow, like that's that's a legitimate story at the end. Uh we won't spoil those until near the end of the episode and we will warn you that we're going to spend about 2 minutes talking about them. So, if you've not played this yet, I think you're safe for about 90%. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Mark and I talked about this beforehand. Um all right, so now with all that out of the way, let's fucking talk Link Between Worlds. I'm just going to I'm gonna turn it over to you because you're a bigger Zelda fan than me, and I want to know what you think over all of this. But I just want to say for the record, like I've never hidden the fact that I'm a Link to the Past homer. That is my favorite Zelda game of all time. I think that Zelda games play better in 2D than they do like in 3D, and I know this is technically a 3DS game, but you know what I mean, that top-down, you know, that like I prefer games like this. Oracle of Seasons, Oracle of Ages, the original Legend of Zelda, uh, Link's Awakening. Like, I prefer those over stuff like Ocarina of Tim and Breath of the Wild and Wind Waker and stuff just as a whole. And being a Link to the Past fanboy, I think this game gets bonus points in my book for being basically a direct sequel to Link to the Past and taking me back to that world that I love so, so much. I think this is, I think this is a top, top five Zelda without even blinking. It might make my top three. But I'm curious what you think. For me, it's the best handheld one. Like, and yeah, I know people are going to be like, well, what about Link's Awakening? And I'm like, you know what? Fuck Link's Awakening. You know, Link Between Worlds, that's the best handheld Zelda game. Yeah. And I was so skeptical when I first saw ads for this because I was just like, how are they going to make that different from Link to the Past? And then you play it and it's like, oh, this is both like this is both like old and new at the same time. Like it's familiar, but it's fresh somehow. And I have like still to this day, I'm like, I don't know how they did that. I have no fucking idea how they did that. Agreed. And I, I will also agree with you. I do think it's the best handheld Zelda. Now that said, like Link's Awakening is really good, but Link's Awakening can't fucking carry this bag or gifts games lunch in my opinion. And it's really tough for me because I'm like, I'm playing this game. I, dude, I remember the same thing. When this game was announced, I, I'm i not going to lie to you, bro. Like, I lost my shit because I was like, again, Link to the Past has always been my favorite Zelda game. And I'm like, you're making a fucking sequel? Like, Zelda games don't get sequels. Like, I know before I get hate messages, I know a couple of them do and they're all in the same fucking world. But you know what I mean. Like, they don't do this that often. And when they do make a sequel, they don't take you right back to the same exact fucking land you you played the first time. But they're like, it's just a little bit different and we made it all bright and shiny. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't... Like, I was... I I lost my mind. You never see the same, like, Hyrule in two games. Yeah, exactly. Like, dude, what I wouldn't fucking give... 
for like a Super Mario World version of this? Like, do you know what I mean? Like to take one of my favorite games ever and be like, we're taking that same exact map. It's going to feel like an old friend, but we made it nice and pretty and new and fancy. And there's a new story and new dungeons and everything. And when I saw it, how would they even do that with Super Mario World? Oh, I I know. I, I like just same over map or whatever. I don't know. But like, that's what this felt like to me. And then like, I don't know. And everyone that is listening to this at this point in the history of our podcast probably knows I don't do history lessons on the show. I don't read into the development notes. There's tons of podcasts out there that already do that. That's not our wheelhouse. So I don't know if this is true. I have to imagine at some point this was like a link to the past remaster or a remake or something. And then they decided to change it up. Like, right. I It actually like it started like, at first they were like, they were like focusing on the like, well, what if we had like link merging into the walls and they like drew up some prototypes for that. But then this is about the time when they were developing games for the Wii U. So like the whole, they are like, okay, you guys go work on games for the Wii U. And so this game was like abandoned for like a year. And then like Aonuma was just like, Hey, what about that game where like Link was merging with the walls? Why don't we do that again? And then they were like, they worked on that a bit and they weren't happy with what they saw. And they're like, well, what if we kind of made it a remake of Link to the Past? And that's where like development kind of started to take off. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. I got you. Cause like when I look at it initially, like this could have like the Link's Awakening remake that they did what last year, two years ago. I don't remember when that even came out now. Uh, It was great. The Link's Awakening remake. If you've not played it yet, if you have a Nintendo Switch and you're a Zelda fan, Link's Awakening, the the remake on the Switch is fucking outstanding. Uh, that's what yeah, this yeah. like it, it's one of those games is like there's no point to the original unless like for maybe nostalgia factors there's no point of playing the original anymore with Link's awakening you mean yeah yeah agreed yeah like now that i have the remaster i have no interest in playing the original um and that's all this could have been and i honestly would have bought it day one and been super happy if it had just been linked to the past hd or something and it was just a remastered version of it with the new graphics and everything i would have been all over that same game just like with this score yeah like i also would have like i would have paid full price for that as well me too but then when i actually sat down and started playing this it was it, it was i'm trying to like i can't i mean the only other time i can really think of feeling this way when i came to playing a video game was Final Fantasy VII Remake and seeing all this stuff that I grew up with, but then done bright and new and, and colorful. And I'm not saying this is Final Fantasy VII Remake quality. It's a 3DS game. It's not. But, but, but like that is, a good, that is a good comparison. It's a fair comparison because it's something that's both new and familiar at the same time. Yeah. Like that was, I was, bro, when you start playing this game and you set out into the overworld and you're like, this is, it's like going back to the neighborhood you grew up in. And it's like the roads are the same, and like the, the the tree that was there is still there, but like everything but like, else is just like, a little oh, bit different. There's orange Julius there now, and that wasn't there when I grew up. Or yeah, like this is slightly different. It's like more or less the same, but like there's a few subtle differences that make you go like, oh well, that's interesting. You put that over there this time. Okay, cool. Yeah, and as we get into like reviewing this, I should just point out if you never played Link to the Past or you don't have any nostalgia for it, you can still absolutely play this. Like, this is a standalone Zelda game. You don't need to know what happened in Link to the Past. None of that. Everyone knows what happened in Link to the Past because it's the same that happened well, in every it fucking... it tells you right off the bat what happens to in Link to the Past. Right. Because, like, you go into the castle and there are all those murals that tell you the story of Link to the Past. And, and it's like, 
oh yeah, like he fucking Ganon stole the Triforce, went into the Dark World. Link went and he kicked his ass. That's yeah. the whole story to Link to the Past. And I mean, that's basically the story of like, let's call a spade a spade. The story to like 90% of Zelda games. At some point, a little elf in a green dress finds his sword, picks up three gold triangles, finds seven somethings, and then defeats a big pig. Like, that's what happens in every Zelda game. I'm sorry, it is. And it's not bad, it's fine. But that, exactly. So you don't, what I, what I was going to say is like, you don't have to know that Link to the Past to play this one, but much like you don't have to have played Final Fantasy VII to play Final Fantasy VII Remake, I just, I, I, this game just straight up will not hit you as hard as it would if you have played Link to the Past. It's just the the oh. music, the the setting, the overworld, going to the village and being like, holy fuck, like there's the bird statue with the Northwest Southeast under it. And there's there's the, the chickens the that I can attack that are going to beat me. And you know what I mean? Like you just need to, it just, you'll, you'll literally enjoy this game twice as much if you play the first one. Um, and then just on a side note there, I actually did play Final Fantasy VII like a year before the remake came out. And I was like, oh, this is fine, but I didn't really have any nostalgia for it. So it was like, okay, yeah, that was that was fun, I guess. But then like the remake came out and I'm like, oh, this is, this is a fucking amazing. Yeah, and it's just like it's those little things like seeing the same world. But like I don't mean to keep comparing. It's not fair to compare this to Final Fantasy VII Remake. Like, they're very different games. But all I'm saying is just to see, like you said, to see something old, new. And, like, when we played Super Nintendo games back in the day, like, I I am still on the horse that Super Nintendo games look gorgeous. Like, a good Super Nintendo game holds up and looks as good today as it did back then. But to play Link to the, or pardon me, Link Between Worlds now, you're like, this is kind of what I imagined it looked like back then. Like, it's, because it's that same world, but bigger and brighter and colorful. And there's a little bit more depth, because you have, like, items where you can use to, like, you know, make the sand piles come up that you can run across and, and little things like that. So I don't mean to just keep harping on link to the past to this game, but again, it's a direct sequel in that same world. And I'm just so happy that they did this because when I, I bought this game day one, when it came out and played it, we're going to get into actually playing it fucking 12 minutes after we started talking, but like it, it just, it took me right. It was just, it hit me in, Oh my God, man. It, it like, it fucking, it found my G spot. Like it just hit me so perfectly. And I was like, this is everything I wanted this fucking game to be. And quite frankly, some of the changes they make to the Zelda formula in this game, I like some of them I could live without, but I think they get away with experimenting with the formula because they put you in such an, a familiar, uh, setting while they did it. Do you know what I mean? No, exactly. And it's like, no, we've all played Link to the Past. And like, at no point did it feel like they were taking away from Link to the Past. Yeah. It was like, no, that's still a game you can go play. But like, here's something that's very similar, but kind of different. Yeah. So, so we'll get into the actual game itself because there are some like, okay. So I think to me, the biggest, the biggest change, and I'd be curious to know if you think there's something different, but to me, the biggest, obviously the, the big new mechanic is the walking into the walls and the 3d to 2d, which we'll get to in a minute. To me, the big thing is like so many Zelda games 
follow the tried and true formula of you go to dungeon one and then in dungeon one you get this item and you need this item to finish the dungeon and usually fight the boss then you get it for the rest of the game same with dungeon two then dungeon three then dungeon four and it's you know the joke can be made of like why do these fucking boss these these masters of these dungeons why keep your one weakness in a fucking treasure chest in your house like why like that's such a horrible idea like i like i like it'd be like i'm terrified of bees so i don't keep a fucking beehive full of bees locked in a treasure chest downstairs just in case like why do that like i'd keep it as far away from me as humanly possible so like that's classic zelda and in this why game are you keeping the key to your fucking room just like so i'm just out where people can find it yeah not even like hidden just in a little treasure chest where it's super easy to find so like that's classic zelda formula and in this one uh, and I'm curious to know what you think of this. Cause to me, this is the biggest talking point of this game outside of the tie into link to the past in this one. You can basically get every item in the game. As soon as you want it, you just go to this merchant and you can either pay a little bit of money and rent them or pay a whole bunch of money and buy them. If you buy them, it's yours for the rest of the game. And it's, you know, it's the boomerang. It's the bow and arrow. It's the fire rod. It's the hammer. It's the insert your weapon here. Uh, if you rent it, then you have it until you die. But if you die, you have to go back and get it again. So you can basically just go get all the items you want, and then you can tackle dungeons in pretty well whatever order you want. Uh, that and is, you know what? I love that for so many reasons. Because okay, first reason, it's exactly that. You can now play the like all the dungeons in whatever order you want. The other thing that that does is it gives rupees meaning fucking finally like most zelda games you get to the end of a game and like you have so many and you're like i don't know what i'm spending these on what are these for and in this game like no you every rupee is like oh i need that See, i need that because i want to buy this so that i don't have to fucking rent it again if i die and the other thing it does is like there are still treasure chests like you still do get treasures in the dungeons but now it's something that's like, ooh, this is a little bit extra. Or this is like, like in one of the dungeons, it's like, ooh, you get like more magic. Or yeah. you get the Hillian shield. Or you get ore that you can use to power up the master sword. Or you get like a tunic that like now you take half, a, half health. It's not like, oh, there's only one instance in this game where you need the dungeon item the, or the item found in the dungeon to beat the dungeon. Yeah, now... See, I'll agree with a lot of what you said. I am going to slightly disagree. Like, when I started playing it, I agree with you. I was like, the idea of rupees is big because it's like, I can, I don't remember what the prices are. I'm just pulling numbers out of my ass. But it's like, I can rent the boomerang for 50 rupees. I can buy it for 600 rupees. And it's like, well, 50 is way less than 600. Even I know that. So I was like, well, like, we'll do the 50. But then when you die, you're like, God damn it. Now I have to hike back to the store and go see that guy and get the fucking boomerang again. Whereas if I just save up the 600, now it's mine. And I agree with you off the top. I was like, oh, wow, that really does put a ton of emphasis on rupees. But I played this game to basically 100% completion. And I like found all of those little squid things that you use to upgrade items, which we can talk about later. And like I explored every nook and cranny of this game because I love that world because of my affection for a uh, link to the past so i i was exploring and exploring and exploring and i found that i had so many rupees that it was like buying shit wasn't even a problem like and i don't know where your happy medium is there because if you make it too hard to come up with enough rupees to buy stuff you're gonna piss people off if you make it too easy then you get fucking assholes like me on here being like oh it was a little bit too easy i don't know where the fine line is but i did find about halfway through the game i basically owned everything 
because I'd been exploring so much that I had enough money to just buy everything. And once you buy everything, then rupees become completely meaningless. Well, but then that's the other thing. It like gives you a reason to explore the world, which I think is like, that's the mark of a great Zelda game. Agreed. I'll agree with that. And I will say looking for rupees in this game is a lot more fun than like in link to the past where you basically just cut the fastest growing grass of all time over and over and over again. In this one, you can do the whole pasting to the wall and there's rupees on the wall and there's tons of hidden caves full of rupees and stuff like that. Like they are, it is it, it, like uh, by and large, I do like it. I just found that I was like, I have so many and I, and I suppose you could argue part of it is like, well, that's on you. Maybe not. Don't buy everything. Like if you want it to be a little bit tougher, don't buy everything. And it's like point, point conceded. Um, but for the most part, I do like the system. I think everyone that listens to this podcast knows I'm a Mega Man super, like I adore the original, like the old school Mega Man games. And one of my favorite things about the Mega Man games is the fact that you can tackle them in whatever order you want. And it was so cool seeing that brought to a Zelda game, especially because at this point, like I can't speak to every Zelda game because I haven't played all the Zelda games, but a vast majority of the old Zelda games you have to do in a particular order. Or at least well, it does its best to force out, it. Like, this, came, this game was in development after Skyward Sword came out. And like after Skyward Sword came out, pretty much every Zelda fan was like, why are we still playing like basically like, okay, go here, go here, go here, go here. Yeah. Why has the Zelda formula been so like devolved into just very much like, okay, we're going to go on a straight path linear line when the original game was all about exploration yeah so they were like okay well then why don't we make a game that's kind of like this and then of course after this then they came out with breath of the wild which was like exact kind of exactly what we were asking for and it's funny that you say that because like i have a very deep affinity for the very original legend of zelda game I only played it for the first time a few years ago and I loved it because of the fact that you could, you, I mean, you go into like the sixth or seventh dungeon, you're going to get fucked up, but you can pretty well go wherever you want. And I really, really enjoyed that. And I do think as much as I enjoy games like link to the past, I love wind waker, um, uh, links awakening. I love links. Like I'm trying to think of the old ones that are more linear. I like links awakening a lot, but like, there is something to be said where they're like, here's this giant world. Like, cause that's part of Zelda is exploration and exploring this giant world. But they're like, you still have to beat it in a particular order? Whereas this one, they were like, yeah, fucking go nuts. And I want to just say like tip of my hat to everyone involved in the, in the, um, development. I was going to say the design of mint, the, 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 the development of this game, because like, dude, it can't be easy to fucking find a way to make all these dungeons playable and pretty well, whatever order you want. And you can go get all these items and pretty well pick and choose the items that you want and not completely break the game. You know what I mean? Like that can't be, I know that in games like, you know, Witcher three Skyrim fallout, like I'm picking these giant console, like fucking massive open world games. So like, this is a 3ds game. They have very limited hardware to play with compared to like, you know what fucking fallout four runs on and I, I granted the world's not as big as fallout four for example but like i i think it's quite impressive the way that they were able to come up with a game that's as open as this but also not as not broken Do you, does that make sense i don't know how else to say it yeah the one trade-off for that though is like because you can play the dungeons in kind of whatever order you want they're still pretty easy 
Yes, they are. I I think this is uh I don't know. Uh I I was about to say this might be the easiest Zelda game, but like it might be the easiest Zelda game I've ever played. Now that I think it's about it, it might up be up there, yeah. Yeah. Like th I think it's easier it like, than Link to the Past for sure. Link to the Past, like that shit like that's a hard game. Dude, there's some fucking I just wanted to say for the record, like again, this is not a Link to the Past podcast. We've done two of those. There's not a dungeon in this pal or in this uh in this game that irritates me as much as the ice dungeon in link to the past. Like, I don't think there's a bad design dungeon in this game. There's just also not a particularly difficult dungeon designed in this game. No. And like the dungeons, they're all pretty fun. And they're all like, because like you can play them in any order, they're more focused on like puzzle solving than they are on combat. Yeah. And like, and that's where I wanted to go next was, um, the, I think the, and I, and I think the puzzles would be a great way to kind of segue into the wall walking thing, but just as a whole, let me just say, uh, I, I think this game has some of the best puzzles in any Zelda game. And I don't just mean in the dungeons, but I mean on the, on the, on the overworld and trying to, you know, figure out, like you see something and you're like, how the fuck do I get to that? Uh, and like just the way that various items interact with the world and the way you interact with the world and the way things are hidden in the world and the way you travel between the light world and the dark world or the high and low world or whatever you want to call them in this one. Um, I, I truly think this game has some of the high best puzzles. Low rule. Yeah. High Do you like that? High rule and low rule. I, I think low rule is kind of dumb. I got to say, I think I, it's kind it's of a, dumb a it's a little bit cheesy, but like, it's kind of a, it's an interesting way to expand on the idea of like the dark world. Yeah, it is. It's like, and I have no beef with them going the the light world and dark world. I just like, and I get that it's you know it's a it's a it's a play on words, right? It's like, well, that's high, so we're low. High rule, low rule. Uh, and I think low rule is better than the dark world in Link to the Past. But I just I just think the name. I just thought the name was kind of dumb. That's all. I I don't know what I would have called it instead. But like, I, I don't it's know. It's a bit cheesy. Yeah, it's a like bit who? On the nose, but like, eh. Like who wants to live? Like who would who would be like? What should we name? We've just found this new country or whatever the fuck. I don't know what Hyrule is considered. Like a country, a province, a state, a continent. I don't fucking know. But they're like, we just founded this new place. What should we? What should we name our town? And they're like, how about Low Rule? And they're like, boy, you're really you're kind of just giving up before we started, eh? Like that's not a very <laughs> like I just I don't think it's a very like. You know, like dark world. I don't, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I'll take the high rule and you'll take the low rule. Yeah, like who the fuck wants to live in low rule? Like it's just, I, I, like it's just. What are we gonna? I don't know. Like so, what are the final nominees for the name of our country? Well, there's low rule. There's crapland. Oh, there's boner land. Yeah, boner. Yeah, boner land. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to anyone that gets that reference, uh, and not because it's boners, but because of the show it's from. Anyway, um, so like another thing that Zelda games all do is well, not all of them, but a lot of them do is the transition between like the the light world and the dark world, right? Or like Ocarina of Tim, you go from the happy-go-lucky current to the evil-go-lucky future, or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, what I really, really like about this game, and frankly, what I think this game does better than most of the Zelda games that I've played is when you talk to people in Hyrule, like they're all so they're happy. They're high. I, they might be high. Like they're all happy and go lucky and it's fun. And then you go to low rule. I feel it for sure. Yeah. And then you go to low rule and it's the same people, but they're just like pissy and mad that Fucking they like 
they're all like out of a Tom Waits song. They're just like, kid, I've been working so long. I'm fucking sick of all your shit. And and like again, like, and I don't know if it's a fair comparison. Like, I know we've been comparing this to Link to the Past like crazy. You have to. It's a sequel. But like, I know they didn't have the technology with Link to the Past that they did with uh, Link Between Worlds. But Link to the Past, it was really fun to go to the Dark World and then explore the same map and see what has changed. But I felt like it hit 10 times harder in this one because a lot of the same people were in the same places, but they were like mean, evil versions of themselves. Like in Link to the Past, there's some, but not nearly as many as there are in this one. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I feel like there's like... like 10 people in the dark world in Link to the Past. Like there's nobody there. Everyone's dead or something. Whereas yeah, in this one- like, like everyone's monsters or like turned into trees. Yeah, whereas like in this one, everyone's around. It's just you know, it they're they're just their lives have been ruined or something. Um, and I think that is a great thing because not only like you basically have two complete worlds to explore, and they feel like two similar worlds. But I think the going back to places and just seeing people I talked to in the first world and seeing how they're treated in this world or how they think about life in this world, uh, I, I think it's done as well as it's ever been done in a Zelda game, frankly. Yeah, I think it's, I, I absolutely like, and I'm right there with you. I love the way that, like, instead of just making, like, you know, just a world full of monsters and then a world full of people, they, like, kind of balanced it more in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And it, like, again, like, I don't, I don't 100% every game that I play, there are a lot of, not, it's, it depends on how much I'm enjoying the game. Some games I get to the point where I'm like, I just want to like, like Breath of the Wild. I'm like, I'm not 100 percenting this. I just want to beat this and fucking get it. You're, over with. you're insane if you win 100 percent Breath of the Wild. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I know there's some listening to this. Uh, Shaylee has done it, and uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're freaks. You're freaks. Um, and like, <laughs> and like, like this is this game obviously is a fraction of the size of Breath of the Wild, but like I had so much fun. Like I hundred percented this game, and then I beat it again on the hero mode. Because the world is just so, there's no, one of the problems with, and it's not even just a Zelda game, but one of the problems with games like this, in my opinion, is that sometimes the world can be just a little bit um, empty. Does that, you know what I'm saying? And I don't feel like there's a lot of empty space in this game. Like they packed a lot into both of these worlds and there's so much fun to explore. Plus, like you mentioned, until you own every item, there's almost a reason to explore because you're looking for rupees to save up enough to buy all the items. And well, and one of the cool things is, like, there are parts of the map that are completely optional. You don't have to go there. Like, there's one section of low rule that the only re like, the part with the, like, the cathedral, like, the dark cathedral, the only reason to go there is to get the second piece of ore so you can level up the Master Sword. But you don't have to do that. Right. Yeah. And, like, another thing they do a great job of is the way that you can upgrade, like, every item in the game. Like, you remember in, I think it was in, in Link to the Past. Yeah, it was Link you to the Past. You could in things into the fairy fountain. Yeah, but not all of them would get upgraded, so you kind of just stood there like an idiot throwing all your stuff into the water, and the fairy kept coming up being like, hey, like, it's not a garbage can. Well, Fuck off. Yours, I'll fucking take it. I don't, yeah. I don't want this. Yeah. They're like, hey, dumbass, you dropped this too. Like, get a better backpack. Like, you're dropping everything. <laughs> Whereas, like, in this game, not only can you upgrade pretty well every item you have, but what I think is really cool about it is the way you upgrade it is by finding all of those little uh, octopus things. 
And it gives you, a like, again, another reason to completely explore this game is to find all of these little fucking squid things. Because I think it was, like, I don't remember how, like, every 10? Every 10 squids? Or whatever the fuck it was? Like, every so many you found. 10, yeah. Yeah. Every so many of this, like, mama squids, baby squids you found, you could take them back to, uh, take her, she'd upgrade one of your items for you. And you could pick and choose which items you wanted to upgrade. Um, I'm like... I, and like they and all of the upgrades were like useful. Like yeah, the like the boomerang. Now you can like you actually deal damage with it when you upgrade it, or the bow and arrow. Now you can like shoot three arrows at the same time. Uh, and the interesting thing I think about this is like you don't get like you don't have to like pick up bombs and arrows. Like every single item is tied to your magic meter, yes. which replenishes over time, dude. That magic meter uh, is a million times better than, or the stamina meter, pardon me, is a million times better than having to buy or stock arrows and bows and shit. Oh my God, it's so much better. If you've never played it, yeah, you have this like pink, it looks like your magic meter from Link to the Past. It's this pink meter and every item you have is just tied to it. And when it's empty, you can't use any of your items. And when it's full, it's like, yeah, it's like you're you can make you can manifest bombs or arrows or whatever the fuck you want. Such a oh between that and like you said, there's a great point that the powered up items actually it's not like, oh well now your boomerang goes further. Like it's like, yeah, now your bow and arrow shoots multiple arrows. Now your fire rod makes bigger fire. It makes such a difference. It is just such a oh, it's just it makes it worth it. It makes it worth seeking out all these little octopus things to upgrade every item you've got because you want to see what they all do. And then the fact that you don't have to worry about stocking individual inventories and stuff for them, just like, I don't think it's perfect, but I think it was a really, really clever system they came up with. I would love to know how much tinkering it took to figure, to find the balance and figure out how to make all this work. That's true. And I will say like, I, I did all of that the first time I played the game, but I've never done like the, I've never found like the upgrades playing through again, just simply because it's like, you don't need it. Like I've never come across uh, a situation where I'm like, Oh, like this would be so much easier if I had three arrows instead of one. Like it's a, it's a pretty easy game. So like the one thing I do wish is I wish that there was more reason to upgrade your item. Yeah. That's a good point. Outside of like, for the love of the game or because you're having fun or if you're playing it on hero mode, it gets a little bit tougher. Um, okay. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, like in the basic playthrough, you're right. Like you could easily beat the game without upgrading everything. And uh, I, I can, I can get on board with it. Like I'm, I'm, I don't know if I wish it was like, I guess I wish it was a little bit harder. I know they put the hero mode in and you could do it that way. And I guess you could make it harder if you want to by not upgrading your health or not getting all the upgrades or not buying all the items or like you could, you know, artificially um, sanction yourself to make it a little bit harder. But I also like, I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't know. I guess the difficulty must come hand in hand with the open worldness and it's got to be a fine balance of like if someone decides to go to the ice temple first we can't make it 10 times more difficult than say the desert temple because they could go in any order and we're like we can't we can't tell people like hey you can play this game in any order you want and then have people be like yeah i did and i got fucked in some of the hard levels and like, like they had to find a way to make them all easy so like the further into the game you get the easier it gets 
because they, the they don't, one, it like, doesn't scale, you know? The one that is like a bit harder than the other ones, if you start with it, is like the Ice Palace where like Turtle Rock was in the original. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember which one. one being the toughest. I mean, like some are sure going to be harder than others, but like, I don't like, is it? You would think like scaling video games existed at this point. I'm a little shocked they didn't work on scaling, you know, but I mean, you could argue maybe it's, you know, the 3DS's, you know, technical limitations. You could argue that Nintendo just wanted to make the game accessible to everybody. I would frankly listen to the argument that Nintendo just didn't realize that scaling difficulty was a thing because they don't really know what anybody else is doing because they never well, go online. Like I don't said, think, like, I don't think they the know voice chat is a not thing. Not too much longer, and that did have scaling difficulty. Yeah. So, like, I, I if you know what? Yeah, if there was one thing that I could change about this game, it would be that I wish that the difficulty scaled with you a little bit. If I could change one thing. It's a three, my guess is that it's a hardware limitation. Yeah, maybe. But I would also not be not be surprised if Nintendo just didn't know. I'm telling you, man. Like, I think Nintendo thinks that they're online on the Switch today is like fucking cutting edge and they're like it's perfect like I, I i wouldn't be surprised if at nintendo headquarters they've internally discussed putting like aol on the switch and then somebody <laughs> has been like no man you guys like no and they're like trying to google it on their blackberries like it's fucking nintendo and their fucking technology they're not googling shit they're using ask jeeves, ask jeeves. they're asking jeeves all fucking day yeah no doubt and like the search results for ask jeeves are so outdated that they're like <laughs> no oh yeah i was like trying to think of like a historical event that i could be like holy fuck this just happened but no it doesn't happen. <laughs> they're and, like why don't we just go why don't we just go to new york see what they're doing over at the twin towers that's that's that. where i was gonna go and i'm like i don't want to <laughs> should i make that mark made that joke not me and thoughts and prayers to everyone affected by anyway 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 um <laughs> fuck sakes i don't want to get canceled before episode 200 it's like two weeks away i don't want to fuck this up now well, um okay, I'll, like i'll get canceled you yeah won't. cancel mark McHugh, everybody cancel at no um, and you know what you already did you already oh, did. yeah i did yeah that's why you're not thing. in the hall get the fuck out of here uh <laughs> that just bought you another year suspension from my hall of fame you son of a bitch <laughs> We should, uh, I've been teasing it for like half an hour. We should talk about the wall walking mechanic in this game. Uh, what do you think? Brilliant. I have no idea how like this is like, it seems like such an obvious thing in retrospect. It's like, why didn't they do this sooner? Yeah, I agree. If you don't know, if you've never played this game, very, very on in the game. What's the name of the villain? What's, what's the villain's name? Yuga? Uh, Yuga. Yeah. Yuga, who's the villain, at least to start this game, uh, like has like magic and like Yuga is, is I think it's a she I think Yuga's like a sorceress. Um. Anyway, I Yuga think it's a dude. Is it? I don't know. Whatever. Yuga. I think so. It's twenty twenty. It's 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 them. It's them. It could be anything. Yeah. Yeah. So you. Oh no! It says right here on the official page, gender male. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yuga, uh, can turn people into paintings. Like they tra Like he traps people in like paintings, and he uses it on like a whole bunch of people, and then he tries to use it on Link but it only half works. And then Link gets the ability that at any time he can go up to a wall and like turn into a painting, stick to the wall. And then it like the camera like spins around and then it just looks right at you. And like, I think Link looks fucking hella cool. Like in his painted form. Like it looks like something you'd see on like a fucking, like a brick wall, like, like a tag from somebody like with spray paint and he can like walk well, along the wall. It's such and a, then they kind of, 
did do like they kind of did expand on that a little bit in Mario Odyssey. Yes. They kind of did take that same concept and it was like, oh, what if Mario could do that yeah. too? Yeah, if you've never played, or if you have played Mario Odyssey, but you haven't played this, you know the parts in Mario Odyssey where you go into like a pipe and then he becomes like, yeah, part of the wall and it's like old side scroll in Mario? That's kind of what happens in this, but it's a lot, uh, like I don't think you can use any of your weapons or jump or anything. You basically can just walk in a straight line. Yeah. Um, but it's such a, dude, it adds so much to the puzzles in the temples of this game when you can stick to the wall and get like you can like you see something over there and you're like my hook shot can't there's nothing over there to latch my hook shot onto and then you realize that I can just walk up to the wall and then poof, turn into painting link walk across the wall and then poof, come out of painting link and now I'm standing on that clever uh, or on the, that ledge you couldn't get to plus that's a lot of the ways you ex you get to low rule is you find these like glowing evil cracks in the walls of Hyrule go into them as painting link and then you teleport into low rule and then you're on the wall there I just think like it cannot be overstated what a great fucking mechanic it was like it is so awesome I love the fucking wall walking mechanic and it's and it's how they made like and it gave us a new way to to explore like a familiar landscape yeah and dude like, to the, like I'm like just so impressed by how they because again i saw like oh they're using the same map again like oh okay just copy and paste in an old game just tweaking a few new things calling it a new game and i was like no this is a very new game yeah dude some of the like the dungeons you're in you you have points where like to to um uh advance in the dungeon you have to turn into like paint link go outside walk along the outer wall of the and you can see hyrule like deep down below you and walk along the wall to like another platform that'll lift you up to a higher part of the dungeon. It is such a clever, clever, clever mechanic. Also, it results in the single greatest uh, gimmick in the history of Zelda boss fights. The one where you stick to the shield. Oh God, I love that. I love that like that fight where you're like, and you're like, oh, like traditionally you would have no idea how to fight this guy, but you could just like merge with his shield and it's like, oh, where'd he go? Yeah. And he like swings his shield around and you come out and then you can stab him in the back. Such an interesting like use of this mechanic. Yeah. Like so many Zelda, like this, I think a lot of Zelda boss fights are fine, but they're just, oh, like, oh, I got the hook shot in this dungeon. I wonder if I'll need the hook shot to fight this boss and stuff like that. And this one boss in particular, yeah, he's like this giant demon with like a floating pair of hands and one is a sword and one is a shield. And you can turn into paste, like like drawing link, 2D picture link, stick to his shield, and then he can't find you. I, 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 the smile I have on my face right now is I'm like, dude, that honestly might be more clever than any Mario boss fight ever. Like that is well, just such a great idea. They reuse a few of the boss fights from Link to the Past. Mm -hmm. Like, that is a reused boss fight, but they've remixed it in an interesting way. I just think that is the greatest idea in the world, that you just stick to this fucking shield and then the guy can't find you. And he looks so stupid. <laughs> it's, I love it. I fucking outstanding. I love that mechanic. I love every... I adore that painting thing. I wish that that just became like a permanent. I know it can't be a permanent thing, but again, though, I think it's uh, a bit of a testament to the quality of this game that it's on the 3DS. It's got the 3DS's hardware uh, limitations, and they found a way to make. There's you can't break the game in this 2D wall walking mechanic. And do you have any idea? 
I don't because I don't know how it, how making video games fucking works. But I can just imagine how much testing and tweaking and polishing it must have taken to let you stick to any wall in the game that you can access and walk around, but never break the game doing it or get stuck or something like that. You know what I'm saying? That can't be easy at all. No, and like there are parts where you can't walk around, but like it's deliberate. Like they have yeah. like, oh, you have like a ledge here, so you can't walk past here, or like there's something sticking out of the wall. So it's like it's really interesting the way they did did it and made it feel totally organic. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so I love that mechanic. The renting items I like for the most part. I guess I don't know if that's exactly the best method of giving you access to every item or 90% of the items in the game right away. But I don't know what I would have done as an alternative. I mean, I kind of like what they do in breath of the wild where it's like, okay, all of the items are on this one great plateau. Yeah. And like, that's I, like all the tools you need to like beat the game. I, yeah, I don't know what else he could have really done with it. So, I mean, it's, it's okay. Um, we should shout out, <clears throat> excuse me. We are going to get into the story of it a little bit, but again, I want to do that kind of near the end because I want to get into the ending and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. We'll make sure we warn you before we spoil the ending. Um, this show is sponsored by better help. Podcasting is a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time. Every day. I tell you all about my life, the good and the bad, the ugly. I kind of keep that offline and it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before and you're going to keep hearing me say it. Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And better help is a great way to go about it. I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about the stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times... It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash remember the game today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash remember the game. I just wanted to say too, like I, you could easily convince me that this is the best looking game on the 3ds. I yeah, I would hear that argument for sure. You know, I'm I not. Mean, like, I, go ahead. I mean, maybe like Ocarina of Time 3D, but like I don't. It's close. Yeah, I like I don't consider myself like a a 3ds historian. I don't know every game from it, but like even just looking at still images of this right now, if you've played the Link's Awakening remake, it kind of looks like that, but it's got it's just it's on it's fucking it's it's on the 3ds it's on it's on a it's on a a vastly uh less powerful piece of hardware and it is just such a it's got that same bright colorful cartoony saturday morning cartoon vibe to it and one thing i think they do really really well in this game is they play with depth and i can't use the 3d on my 3ds because i can't see it because of my vision issues 
so I, I'll, I'll ask you, like, does the 3D slider really play a big effect in this game, or is it just kind of there? I don't know. Uh, you know what? I usually, like, okay, I, like, this may, I may, this may be an unpopular opinion. I don't really like the 3D on the 3DS. I usually turn it off because it usually gives me a headache. Okay. All right, well, then there. So, so I usually just play it like, okay, it's going to be like, because it, it still looks great just as it is. Yeah, like I, I I, can't tell you what it looks like with the 3D on because I don't, I can't use it, but I think it looks great in 2D. I think they do a really, really good job of playing with the different uh, depth of levels. Like you can see the level underneath you, but it's not like, and again, I, I, I'm, I know I keep going back to comparing it to Link to the Past. It's impossible not to, but like, in the original games, you couldn't see specifically what was under you a lot of the time. You just knew there was land down there. Whereas in this one, like, it's so fluent what's above and below you. There's a lot of going up and down levels, but there's no transition screen. Like, it's really smooth. Does, like, this game makes, like, a good, like, again, didn't know much about, like, the 3D, like, effect but it does make good use of all three dimensions. Like yeah. you go up, you go down. Like there are parts where like, oh, you're in a giant room and you have to like find a way down with these like elevators that are like going back and forth that you have to jump on. Yeah. Or use like your various rods. Like this, I love the sand rod and the way it brings the big pillars of sand up from the, the dirt underneath you and you can run across them and stuff. I think oh, that's it's such really a cool, cool item. And, and again, it just cannot be understated uh especially if you have nostalgic ties to link to the past to see that exact world in these bright new colorful graphics this new art style some of the enemies are the same like statues are the same designs in the same places there's holes in the wall in the same places where you can walk through to drop down to lower places but like there's link's house with the three rocks outside and everything uh just that alone makes it worth the purchase to me like if you're if you grew up a link to the past fan just to see it like the, i would have bought even if the game sucked i probably would have given it a passing grade just because i got to see this game i love so much or this overworld that i love so much done up in a new way uh but the fact that they uh, really went over the top with it and brought in all the same enemies and put stuff in the same locations and things like that and then again the fact that you have high rule and low rule to explore and i think low rule is again the name sucks but i think the world is so much fuller and more interesting to look at than uh the dark side and link to the past was oh a hundred percent i frankly hate the dark side and link to the past i fucking don't like it at all whereas in this game i mean like it's like it's an interesting way to like remix that same world and i'm impressed that they were able to do that on the super nintendo hardware yeah uh but i guess that leads to my question like do you think that they're going to do this with more Zelda games? Like, is there a potential Ocarina of Time sequel in the same fashion? Do you think that they could do? I think they could. But I don't know if they will. I want, if I could pick anyone, I want a uh, Oracle of seasons and ages, but I would be fine with them just remaking those. Like they did links awakening. But yes. I, I mean, like they're making a breath of the wild too. Obviously I think, I mean, you, yeah, like maybe, maybe doing, you didn't like, know that if you didn't know they are like, not you, but the listeners, if you guys didn't know, they are making a breath of the wild too. I don't know if anybody, I'm kidding. And everybody using the same map, but it looks like like they're doing it kind of like this where they're remixing the map in interesting ways. Yeah. I don't know. Would you want an Ocar? I mean, like, cause you, I, I have been notoriously hard on Ocarina of Tim. I'm not the world's biggest fan of that game. Would you want a, a, a like something like this? You know what I'd want, and you know it would be smart of them to do to launch whatever the next console would be is like do like a Final Fantasy VII remake of like 
Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Like, if they did that, that would sell fucking units. You want to know something? And I've said this before. If I could see one of those old games remade into, like, a big, bright Final Fantasy VII remake-style one, it would be Majora's Mask. Because I really want to like that game, and I fucking despise it with every ounce of my being. But it's not about the concept. I think the concept of that game is phenomenal. I just hate the way that those two games play to begin with, and I find Majora's Mask to be a cluttered mess. And don't yell at me. I've I've voiced my opinion on that game many times. But if they remade it from the ground up like a Final Fantasy VII remake, I'd buy it in a heartbeat. I'd be like, fucking rights. I can finally play this. So, like, I, yeah, I would love to see something like that. you would like it, yeah. Yeah, I would love to see something like that. I... Like I, I, I mean, like Zelda is such a big franchise for them, and I know they keep reinventing the wheel, and at the same time, staying true to the formula. And it's tough because, like, and we're gonna get into the story in a minute, and we'll kind of start wrapping this thing down. Breath of the Wild was fascinating because I see a lot of comments from listeners, and a lot of people like love Breath of the Wild. I know you love Breath of the Wild, but I get a lot of comments from people that didn't like it too, and thought it got too far away from the formula. The broken weapons were annoying, and it was a boring, empty world. And I can see it kind of because I found the weapons breaking annoying as fuck too. So I can see where they're coming from with that. But the, it's got to be tough because if they don't, it's like Pokemon when they don't change the formula. Some people are like, fuck yeah, it's more of the same. I love it. Some people are like, dude, something different. We're bored of this. Then when they change the formula, then some people are like, dude, what the fuck? You broke it now. Go back to what works. And other people want it the same. You can't have both worlds. And that's where I think the genius of Link Between Worlds, pun unintended, is. Is they did kind of link those two worlds. Because they they stuck to the formula in the sense of like, here's a world you know. And you need to get three things. Then the Master Sword. Then seven things. Then fight a boss and get the Triforce. But they're like, we changed it up a little bit. And we tried a couple of new things. And that must be a scary... Like, it's one thing when it's an indie game or it's a little game or it's a new franchise and it's something people don't care about. Zelda is inarguably a top five all-time video game franchise as far as like, oh, as far as like, like notoriety and fan base and stuff goes. And it must be incredibly intimidating for them to change it up. But I think... I could listen to an argument that they changed the formula too far with Breath of the Wild. It's obviously a matter of opinion and a matter of personal preference and everything. I truly think Link Between Worlds was the perfect balance between something new and something old mixed together. It is that Link. I, I, I really... I'm, I'm just going to be repeating myself, but like I truly feel that way. They really nailed both both sides of the coin in this game. Um, I, I I completely I completely agree, and I haven't really thought about it like because I have seen like because I do follow the Zelda fan base, and there are a lot of people that feel like kind of betrayed by Breath of the Wild. Like people say, like this isn't a Zelda game when it's like for me, it's like this is the most Zelda game that's ever been made. So it's kind of cool to see like oh yeah, this is like the one area where all of us can a hundred percent agree. Like oh yeah, no, this is how you do a sequel to a beloved game yeah, and still make it interesting. Yeah. It's, um, dude, I think it was you that taught me this. What's it called? The Venn diagram when the circles overlap. Yeah. 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 And it's like, it, it, I really feel like this game is like old with new, uh, kind of like, and that's, it found that perfect middle spot. It, it really did. And I, again, I'm a Homer for link to the past, which certainly adds to my admiration of this game, but I really do think this is just a great game. They did a great job. It's easily my favorite 3ds game. Uh, Fire Emblem Awakening would probably be number two, but I really, really like this game. I do want to talk about the story and some of the characters before we do that. And we're not spoiling anything yet. Don't worry. I'll make sure I warn you before we spoil, spoil, uh, 
Is there anything else that you like from the game itself that you want to bring up before we get into the characters? You've played this more recently than I have. I, I really want to um, play it again now. The last 50 minutes, people always message me and say how like, oh, the podcast makes me want to revisit games. This recording, this has made me be like, I got to fucking play this game again. The one thing I really do like is that, like, again, they kind of changed things where uh, they kind of changed things up where it's like, okay, yeah, the ice temple used to be here. Now it's here. Now you go to where the ice temple used to be, and now it's a fire dungeon. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, little really things cool. like that made you go like, oh, okay. Like, they defied your expectation. Like, they knew what your expectation was, and they used that against you. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah, that's a great fucking point, actually. Because you're like, oh, I want to go see it. Like, oh, I wonder what that dungeon looks like here. And you're like, what the fuck? It's not here anymore? It's, it's like going back to your old neighborhood. And you're like, oh, man, the McDonald's isn't here anymore. Except McDonald's never move because they're McDonald's. Um, <laughs> ah, man. Any, I love McDonald's. Okay, so we are going to get into the story. We're not spoiling anything yet. Because I think Mark and I, you, you and I agreed before we started recording. There's kind of two twists i guess two big things that happen right at the end and those are the two things that i want to make sure we warn people before we talk about um but obviously link is around there's yuga who's like the new villain who yuga is okay uh yuga's got like a sick theme song though agreed like like a whole choir behind it and it's, it's so cool yeah i'm notoriously bad for not listening to music in my handheld games because i often play them same as my switch even i play them on the couch while i'm watching tv with shay and i don't want you know she doesn't want to listen to my game uh zelda almost always has great soundtracks this game's got a fucking banger of a soundtrack and uh you got yeah well, it's kind of like it remixes the old soundtrack well like also including a bunch of new stuff yeah agreed um, so Yuga is awesome and Yuga's got the ability to make people into paintings and blah, 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 blah. That princess Zelda, that useless fucking piece of shit that she is. She's around again, fucking giving you shit and saying, go save us all again, please. She's fucking useless. Um, I fucking, I hate <laughs> Zelda. I fucking don't like Zelda other than Sheik. When, she, when Zelda becomes Sheik, I'm like, finally, you're pulling your weight. Thank you for fucking doing something. <laughs> But anyway. I would love to see them make a Zelda game where Zelda is more of a character. Me too. Like, I think that there were some good steps made in Breath of the Wild, but she still is a princess in a castle that needs saving. Yeah. And I would love to see, like, because again, like Ocarina of Time, that's like a what? 25 year old game yeah she was a good character in that game yeah i would love to see another zelda game where zelda was an actual character I... and not just the thing that you have to achieve at the end of the game now let me ask you this assuming they don't like did you ever play spider-man on the ps4 i love that game yeah spider-man is awesome but i think most people can agree that the mary jane missions fucking suck like the stealth Mary Jane Yeah, they're kind of annoying. Yeah. Like, they're kind of annoying. And same with the Miles Morales mission until Miles Morales gets his own game. Right. Like, I hate that kind of stuff. But, like, I would love to see a Zelda game. And maybe they'll do this with Breath of the Wild, too. I don't know. I would love a Zelda game where you actually get to play a Zelda for part of the game. But don't make her the fucking useless damsel in distress. She's just sneaking around behind the guards. Like... We know that there's like there's chic, right? We know there are some Zeldas that are badasses. Give us a badass Zelda and let us play with her for part of the game and let her fuck people up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the I the closest thing we've seen since then is like the Zelda in Twilight Princess that like sacrifices herself and then like comes back at the end as like a demon pup. Oh no, you know what? The best Zelda that there is, it's fucking Tetra in Wind Waker. 
Sure, I agree. Well, Wind Waker. Just just she's a, like she like she's not again like just a like yeah near the end she's kind of like a say she kind of gets locked into like a castle again and whatever. But like for the most of the game, she's just this badass pirate queen going around stealing shit. But it's just you know how like there's some Zelda games where like you do something in one world and then it affects what you did in the other world type thing and you need to do it to like beat levels and stuff like that. I yeah. would love one where like maybe Zelda is one of you is trapped in one world and one of you is in the other and it, you can switch between but like they play differently but they both are playable. Like it's not like Link's got a sword and a shield and a bow and arrow and bombs and all these things and he'll fuck everybody up but then you can flip over to Zelda in the dark world and she can read scripts. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be able to flip over to Zelda and it's like Sheik Zelda and she can fuck people up and do things to help out the guy on the other world. I just, I don't well, know. We're Zelda getting off topic, but these... I would love to see something like that. Like a real playable Zelda. Zelda. Game, Zelda has all of these fucking Triforce powers and I'm like, no, can we like, I want more of that. Let us play. Let, let us use that. Or at the very least, let us see that more. Yeah. Give her like, ma- like if she don't want to make her into a ninja, then give her some magic powers or something. Like, yeah, do something. Anyway. We're getting off topic. I just, I, I despise, I just like, it's like Princess Peach. Like, why does she always have to be useless? Like, make her useful sometimes. Like, they're fucking cool characters. Um, what I like about this game is that when you go to low rule, there's like, it's not evil Zelda. It's just like dark, low Zelda, low rule Zelda with Princess Hilda. Hilda. Which, I think Hilda's a fucking weird, I don't know what I would have called her, but I guess that works. Um, but I like the idea that it's, it, this is like, you find out, and again, I, I guess these are minor spoilers, but we're not getting any of the big story spoilers yet. You go to Low Rule, and it 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 is literally like a different world. It's not like your world um, in the future or in the past or anything. It's it's literally like a different world, and they also have a Zelda, um, but she's like, dude, this world fucking sucks. Like we 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 fucked up. And uh, I think that's really cool. I, I think that's... Uh, and she kind of guides you throughout the game and it kind of is like, like even when you first get to the dark world and like you're found and like by that like blacksmith and they're like, okay, you're good. Now get the fuck out. And yeah. then Hilda's just like, just so you know, uh, this is not a friendly place. Yeah. And that's, and like, remember earlier when we were talking about how what one of the cool things about this game is you go to low rule and you talk to the same people but they're different. They're different versions of themselves. I like that they went that far with Zelda. Like that there is a different Zelda here. And like, she kind of looks like Zelda, but she's got the brown hair instead of the blonde hair. And she's just a lot more like, (laughs) this is, you're not in fucking Kansas anymore. Like this fucking sucks. Um, is that the saying? Is that what it was? You're not in Kansas? Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that movie since I was a little kid. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to catch shit if everyone's like, no, dumbass, it was Missouri that they were from. Do you think that there's any, like, hardcore Wizard of Oz fans listening right now oh, that would fuck. be mad? Dude, I get called out on everything. Quoted? I get called out on everything. <laughs> I fucking, and I mislike it. Uh, shout out to anyone that gets that, because that's going to become a part of the show now. Anyway, you'll find out more about that in a couple weeks. So I really like that idea. Um... I like the idea that you go to low rule and it is just an evil it's, it's, it, it's okay. You know what? I'm just going to put this, the warning out there right now. If you don't want spoilers, but you still want to hear the score at the end of the game and everything, skip ahead five minutes. All right, Mark, I'm yeah. putting the timer on. We have five minutes to do all of this. Okay. Five minutes to talk about the spoilers. Okay. Five cool. minutes as of now. Okay, so I like when you go to the evil world and then it finds out that like they they had a Triforce too, but they destroyed theirs. And then you find out like, oh, destroying it fucked up everything. Whereas at least in Hyrule, they just locked it away. 
Um, and then I like that at the end of the end, and, and I'm going to give you the mic in a second, but I love the fact that like, eventually you find out that a Hilda has been playing you not with evil intentions, but she's like, if I can get the, the Triforce that didn't get destroyed in Hyrule, I can use it to restore low rule. I thought that was such a great fucking twist that at the end of the game, you find out that's all she was after was the Triforce so that she could use it to fix the mistake they made. Am I wrong? I think that's what it is. Well, and it fits so much into the theme of the game. Whereas because like everything, because again, like everything is opposite. That is the opposite of what Zelda would have done. Yeah. But it's not like, I don't look at like, do you consider her a bad guy? Cause I don't, I think she's just desperate to save her kingdom. And that's the only option she has. I think, yeah. And I think that like, I think that that's a bit of a gray area and that's so interesting because so seldomly do we see Zelda villains where there's a gray area. Yeah. I mean, Ganon in uh wind waker, there's a little bit of a gray area there. And I was like, ooh, maybe more of that. And then they never did again. And ever since then, it's been like, Ganon is just the evil guy or Demise is evil. Or even in like Breath of the Wild, there's like zero shades of gray to that game. It's just an evil force looking to destroy everything. And I want some fucking character in my villain. Me too, you man. You do get a little bit of that with like Girahim in like Skyward Sword. But like even then, not really. And you can argue that like most Nintendo franchises are bad for this Zelda, Mario, Pokemon, etc. And like, listen, I don't play Mario or Donkey Kong for like a fucking Final Fantasy, you know, 10 level story or whatever game you want to insert. But like, give me something. And my favorite villains, my favorite villains are those ones that are that they're that that middle ground where you're like, they're doing bad things, but with good intentions. Like that's my and then it's up to you. And I love that. And that's why I think Hilda instantly becomes one of the coolest characters, frankly, in the history of the Zelda franchise. Because right, like so how much time do how much time do we have left here? About two and a half minutes. Okay. So we've got to talk about the other twist then. Yes. So the other twist is that the guy that's been selling you items the whole game, Ravio, is low rules link. What? I and like, did you see it coming? Because I didn't. I did 100% didn't. had no idea. And you know what the interesting thing about it is? He's dressed as like he had like a rabbit hood this whole yes! game, right? Yes. And you know what? Just like how you turn into a rabbit in the dark world in the original game. Yeah. I was like, what? I didn't even catch that till after I finished the game and I was reading like the discussions about it. And I'm like, holy shit, you're right. It is like Dark World Link where he's the rabbit. Um, I just like the it idea never, that like, you're dealing never, with yourself. never occurred to me. Oh. Dude, I did not see that twist coming at all. And when it hit, I'm like, that's the single greatest twist in the history of this franchise. I don't care what anybody says. I think that and Hilda take this game from like really good to borderline masterpiece. I just like, yeah, I'm like, Ganon 100%. is almost, just, Ganon is just kind of fodder. Like he's just there. Yeah. Well, you know? because Yuga fuses with Ganon and then that's the final boss fight. And it's like, okay, so we kind of have Ganon in this game, but it's more about like this new Yuga villain who again, good villain, but like essentially just becomes Ganon. Like it just it did the same thing that Twilight Princess did where it's like, Ooh, we're going to set up this new villain. And then haha, it's Ganon after all. Yeah. Oh, just as we wrap up the spoiler section, I think we started it around 5830 and now we're at 10230. So I think we got about 45 seconds left. So I'm not actually going to okay. repeat any of the spoilers now, just in case I mistimed that. But let me just say those two twists at the end of the game, like to find out those two things that kind of start to wrap up the end of the game. Um, I thought were both. I was like, holy fuck. That is that might be the single best storytelling Nintendo's ever done. 
Uh, like it was 100%. that good. That good. Ah, oh, fucking outstanding. A hundred percent. I like, uh, and I would love to see more storytelling of that caliber in a Zelda game. Oh God, me too. I don't even know what I would do if they fucking ever put a Mario twist in like that. And I was because like Mario's never. I love Mario. Everybody knows that, but those games have never had a story to save their fucking lives. And like, what I, mean, I like, wouldn't give for Mario one... games usually have a pretty decent story. Yeah, but those are those are. I don't consider those core Mario games. The Paper Mario Yeah, ones. it's fair. I just like, God, what I wouldn't give for one fucking story in a Mario game as good as this one. And you don't because see it coming until like, the end. Fuck yeah. Even in Odyssey, even in Odyssey, they just kind of were like, okay, you like, they start with like Bowser kidnapping the princess, like mid-abduction, where they're like, you know what happens. We yeah. don't have to tell you what happens. You know exactly what happens. And you know how this is going to end. Ugh. What a great fucking video. I know that we're going to sign this podcast off and then I'm going to be like, oh, I forgot to bring up this. I haven't played this in like eight years. I know you said you played it uh, not long ago, but um, we've been going for over an hour and I'm I'm good. I, I wasn't even sure if we should do a 3DS game. I'm like, is that really old enough? But like, and I'm not going to do them every week, but we're going to slow this every once in a while, toss one in there and I'm we'll trickle them in. Yeah, buddy. I fucking, I'm so excited. I gotta, I, I have to go out and run some errands today and I might buy a copy of this game today. Cause I'm like, I got to play this again. I forgot how much I adore this fucking video game. Oh, dude, Top- if you can find a copy of it for a hundred percent. Sure. Do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think you can still get it off the eShop too. Um, uh, yeah, like for now, I think eShop's going to be closed soon. Oh yeah. I'll be buying it soon. Uh, I would argue. Yeah. Top. It's probably a top. Listen, like I know people have been asking me for an expansion pass where I rank the Zelda games. I can't do that yet. Cause there's still a few that I haven't played, but I feel quite confident saying that this is top three for me. Like I love this fucking game. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's big. Well, like link to the past will always be number one for me. Uh, and then the top, like my top five are some combination of Link to the Past, uh, Wind Waker, this game, Breath of the Wild, and Link's Awakening. It'd be some combination of those five. Yeah, um, that's fair. I just those per- are good, like you know, I like I them. Mine, like Wind Waker, would be up there as well too. Wind Waker's so fucking good. Ah, oh, Wind, Wind Waker is like it's extreme, like such an underrated game. Like, and it it does like. And it's another Zelda game that has a good story. Yeah, it does. And I still think it's the best looking Zelda game ever made. I that yeah, art style absolutely. fucking melts my butter, man. Holy fuck, how are we gonna score this fucking thing? Um I don't know. Uh I mean it's fucking cliche, but I mean there's seven you need to find seven people. Yeah, let's just sure. do that. That's easy. All right. So a score out of seven. Uh, Mark McHugh, if you were to score The Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds out of seven. And you know what's cool about reviewing a more modern game like this? Is it's not one of those ones where you have to throw in the caveat of like, well, if it was back in the day, it's this. But by today's standards, it's this. I feel like this one is just like without, I mean, it's not of stretch or anything, but like this is absolutely as playable right now as it was eight years ago when it came out. Like this is oh, a 100%. playable game. So what would you score Link Between Worlds out of seven? Six and a half out of seven. I'd take away half a point because like the difficulty didn't scale, but that's really the only beef I have with this game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at that like 6.9. Like it's, it's got the Super Mario World tax because it's not Super Mario World. But like I, I have very, very few of any qualms with this game. My own, you know what? Here's a final question for you before we start wrapping this up. Do we ever see this game re-released anywhere? 
I want it to be. Like, I want to play this game on a TV. Me too. The problem with the fucking 3DS is just... You can't just right-click save as a fucking 3DS game as like a Switch game. And it's not about the 3D. It's about those fucking two screens. And I just like... Yeah. It, it just like... I'm like, don't... There's some great 3DS games and I don't want to see them trapped forever on the 3DS. Like, find a way... Yeah. To put them or on like the Switch. Pokemon X and Y. Like, I would love to see that on a TV. Or... Like, could they split this? this? Or, like, fucking Luigi's Mansion 2. Or... Yeah. I, I mean, Fire Emblem Awakening. Super Mario 3D Land. Like, there's just... I really hope... I don't know how easy it is to translate these games onto another console. And I don't imagine that Nintendo ever goes back to the two-screen, like, clamshell design. Like, with the new Switch or whatever the second Switch ends up being. But like, I would really be ashamed to see these games trapped on the fucking switch, the 3DS forever. Because mm-hmm. 3DS is a great system, but like, people but have like, moved yeah, on. Like, you know, again, people, yeah, people move on, and like, it's hard. Like, the hardware doesn't last forever. For now, my 3DS works just fine. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I can play this for the foreseeable future. But like, yeah, ten years from now, I'm gonna still want to be playing these games. Yeah. I'd pay fifty bucks for this game, just a port of it on the Switch that worked. I'd pay fifty bucks. I wouldn't even think twice about it. No question. hundred percent. Um all right, buddy. Well okay, so that covers Link Between Worlds. I think we're done talking about this game for now. Till eventually like remember the game number, you know, fifteen hundred when we're revisiting the games <laughs> from the nineteen hundred ninety uh stretch. Um listen, there's been a goddamn campaign on my social media over the last couple of weeks to try to get you back into our hall of fame, which by the way, you're all wasting your ink and time and internet. Cause it's not happening. Mark is not getting back into my goddamn hall of fame, but um, somebody actually has a can like got like a real petition with like real ink. On oh yeah. It. Yeah. McG's fucking going hard. And a lot of people are like, Mark needs to be back in the hall of fame. And I'm telling you all right now, it's not fucking happening Not on my goddamn watch. Um, but Mark, you have fans out there. The people are on your, some of them are on your side. There's just as many vocal people saying like, no, he's a crumb bum. He should never be allowed back in the hall of fame. But, uh, the floor is yours. I know you got something big in your neck of the woods going on. So this is going to be released on Wednesday. If you are one of those people that's like, Mark needs to be back in the hall of fame and you want to find a way to support me, my debut album. My first comedy album drops today on Bandcamp. It's called Mark McHugh, Son of a Drama Teacher from Billy James Records. Give it a listen. It's like, it's not going to take up your whole day. It's half hour. Beautiful. That's a sweet spot for an album, half an hour. Um, yeah. And if you're, if you're listening to this, check the description of this podcast and you'll find all the information there, assuming that Mark remembers to send it to me before this episode goes live. I'll make sure to put it in there. Um... And listen, I, I don't think I'll talk to you again before episode 200, Mark. Uh, so let me just say, first of all, congrats on your comedy album. That's a big fucking deal, man. Good for you. Um, and Thank I've you. and I've worked with Mark many times. He's he's really funny. So check out his stand-up. And uh, second of all, buddy, let me just say, uh, there's not a person... I, I don't mean to... I love all of my guests uh, that come on the show, and I'm so grateful for all of your help. But I think you're the clubhouse leader for the number of episodes you've done over the last four years. And I don't know if the show would have grown like it has without all of your uh, tireless efforts of sitting here talking about old video games with me. So let me just say, man, thank you so much for all the time oh, you put into remembering me. It's been awesome to be a part of that. I appreciate it, buddy. And uh, yeah, again, check the description for Mark's album. And now I'm going to fade out and then do the outro where I thank everybody for listening and stuff. But Mark, thank you for doing this, buddy. So thanks for having me.
And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Mark, thank you so much for giving me a call and talking a link between worlds. And once again, everybody, Mark McHugh's debut stand-up comedy album drops today, Wednesday, May 18th. You can find it over on Bandcamp. It is called Son of a Drama Teacher. You can find all the information in the description to this podcast. If you want to show old Mark McHugh some love, go check it out. And if you want to show me some love, if you're like, man, this podcast is really just not that awful. Uh, maybe consider leaving us a nice review on the podcast service of your choice. I see the nice reviews. They make me feel good and warm and fuzzy inside. And if you're like, this guy sounds like he needs a sandwich or something. Yeah, I do. So consider throwing a couple of bucks of your money at us over on Patreon. It starts at just $2 a month. It helps me keep the lights on and you get two additional shows every week. Plus instant access to about 200 archived episodes. Plus you can join our discord. You get a shout out, a whole bunch of stuff and 5% of all of our Patreon pledges every month are going to be donated to the Stollery Children's Hospital in December as part of my 24 hour charity stream. Patreon.com slash remember the game. We're creeping up on a thousand patrons, which is fucking insanity. So thank you all so much for the love over there. I have a PO box. If you want to send me a postcard or a letter or something, just let me know where you're listening. I'll send you one back and we'll be friends. You can find the address at rememberthegamepodcast.com. It is PO box 69181 Edmonton, Alberta, Canada T6V1G7. And finally, if you want to check me out over on the old Twitch box, you can do that. I stream most Tuesday nights and then once or twice a week whenever I can find time to hop online between the podcast and the comedy and the uh, sometimes I build Lego sometimes I play video games sometimes I just sit and chat and argue with the audience it's lots of fun twitch.tv slash member the game not remember the game member the game I'll never beg you for a sub or anything I just want to hang out with you and be fucking friends all right uh, for all of you that are supporters of us on Patreon I'll be back tomorrow with expansion pass number 111 my official ranking of all the sim video games that I've played, which is most of them. I'll be back on Friday with Game Patch 90.0, talking about all the biggest news in gaming. And I'll be back next week with Remember the Game number 199, which I'm hoping is finally the Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse episode and a whole delicious, juicy, another smorgasbord podcast because that's all I do with my life now. I'm going to thank some patrons and get out of here. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I'll talk to you on the next one. Don't forget to check out Mark McHugh's comedy album. See you later. Cheers. Remember the Game is brought to you by our Patreons. I could not churn out all the content I puke up every week without all of your support. The following people are subscribed at the Senior Executive... No, I'm not starting this over. We're going to keep it. The following people are subscribed at the Senior Executive Vice President level or higher at patreon.com slash remember the game. Fucking nailed it. And I'd like to take... take uh, fuck. All right, here's their names. I was going to say it. I'd like to take a moment to thank them all personally, but I fucked it up twice, so here's all their names. Makeshift Mallow Money, Joe Buck, Sharonic, Andre Keegs and his stupid arrow handle, James Clark, Dave McGee, DNA Gaming, Slick Rick, Doug Dorn, Charlie Medeiros, Andrew Wright, Jordan, the Good Enough Gamer on YouTube, Fraser Burns, Lil Bunny, Fufu89, Angry Ticks, Dave Thompson, No One Cares, Brandon O'Brien, Aaron Lawson, Matt McLean, Nathan Tremblay, A-Town, Morgan Zane, Donovan, Ryan Kinchin, Mike Maloney, Very Cool Dude, G9PSX, Raging Demon, Wolfgang Darren, Sam Wright, Andy Hudson, Chris Coplin, Doogie, Wolf Magic 21 Johnny CCDC, Joe LeBlanc, Squints, Titan 420, Zonko 504, Russell Aldridge, Jeff Bergeron, Captain N, Game Nomad, Misi, Daniel, Tunable Power, Tom Danks, Don, John Woodruff, Just a Fish, Noob Q, Super Dad Bros Podcast, and Zalo, Holmes, Zach Shepard, Ballsack, T-Bagger, Chris Dickin, Untukar, Matthew D'Amico, Frosty Feet 492, Chris Larkin, Austin Cook, Elijah Burns, Stephen Parnell, Dockabai, Raysen, Wontongo, Zach Coiner, DBXJ, Jameer Williams, Steve Dalk, Phil McCracken, Trav H, Mizuru, David Marcus, 
Phil Lencher, Ruben Elizald, Eric James, Riley Turvey, Jake Carter, C-Spin, Thomas Smith, Nicola, Munch Makuchi, Leroy Westrich, Dark Squall, Jerry the 3D Printed Sawstrich, Evolva, Sean Ramos, Boston Pork Sword, DB Cooper, Ju or Gust of Wind, Stud Still Smash, Mojo the Helper Monkey, Solid Rake, Brant Hewitt, Gabe, Dan Fuselman, Aaron Mitson, Decoy Man, John Jameson, Wyatt the Surgeon who's not a Surgeon Row, Tyler Nightmare, Dixon Cider, Benjamin Swiller, Creature Club, Pet My Peeve Podcast, Tristan Teen the Great, Hago Waffle, Esteban Navarro, Kaach. <laughs> I like saying that one. Jim, Josh Stone, Chris Williams, Evil Skywalker, Nicole Novak, Cody Richardson, General Fury, Fury Salty by Design, Jason Workman, Them Boys on the Roof, Oh What the Fuck, LOL, Matt Hamilton, James Black, Sam Carpenter, Nerdy Hybrid, Tug Jones, Adam Fletcher, Colin Bollinger, Justified01, and Lucas Charleston. Thank you so much for the support, everybody. Purple Monkey Dishwasher. <laughs>